0: There's a happy meeting <laughs> between <obscene laughs> and
1: risking.
2: <laughs> Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Obsessed. Episode 177 was recorded live October 31st, 2013. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson from the Halloween side of the state, at least tonight. And joining me, we have Mac, the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? Well, so far so good. Awesome. And we also have joining us tonight, we have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim?
1: A day older.
2: A day older. Well and, and also happy birthday. Thank you
1: for that unsolicited.
2: <laughs> I saw that I saw that early on Facebook and I was gonna I was gonna say I was gonna ask Mac, you know, you think he wants us to bring it up or not? <laughs> you noticed I didn't. <clears throat> <clears throat>
1: hey, I survived another year of diving and have another year to look forward to.
2: Yeah, I, I was just, so you were born on Halloween. That's Eve. correct. Yeah. Wow. That must have been well, fun as a kid. Uh,
1: had, I never had a problem figuring out a theme for a party.
2: <laughs> uh, we could we go on for that. I'm just trying to, somebody, somebody was hinting before the show politically correct? <laughs> yeah, I might have mentioned that. <laughs> well, we should have a good show tonight. Plenty to talk about. Good lineup of the news and we'll also had some diving. So let's get started. First one up, and this is just kind of an odd one. Gosh, maybe we're going to start into politics. You know, we try to keep things on a positive upbeat, but this was a terror attack. And I don't know, were either of you able to pick up the dive connection? American Tourist is lucky to be live after suicide bomb blasted uh, Tunison Hotel.
0: Yeah, well, they're going for their last dip in the water.
2: Well, they're going their last dip in the water. Uh, and and the short and long of it is that there was a suicide bomber tried to get into the hotel. The security sent him away. He then went to another hotel. That hotel wouldn't let him in. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the vest with all the nails sticking out of it. So since he couldn't get into the hotels where he could do a lot of damage, he ran down to the beach and detonated himself uh, about 50 meters from this family. But the scuba connection is what the family told their kids People were in a state of panic after the explosion, and the staff trying to calm people down told them that a scuba tank had exploded in a diving area. Huh. And then How that's we what them? we told the kids. I can so, see why they did that, yes. I mean, I, I can understand why you want to say something else, but from a dive standpoint, do you want to traumatize people and make them think that scuba tanks are dangerous? Or am I getting worked up over nothing? <laughs>
0: In this case, probably, I don't think the frequency of saying that the scuba tank blew up and killed people on a beach is, uh, is going to traumatize them. doesn't happen all the time, scuba tanks, that is.
2: No. Okay. And speaking of some trauma, diver left shocked after a shark attack. But We're just all full of sun today. Maybe, it's, maybe we're trying to scare everybody, the Halloween theme. Uh, let's see. Todd Robinson just said he didn't believe all the hype about sharks until he became the latest victim of an attack after diving for crayfish off Hillary's yesterday. And let's see what date is this so that we say that was October 27th. Oh, this must be in
0: Australia, right? Yeah. Is this Australia? Okay. I think
2: it's yeah, Australia. He said, "Pull me out, mate. There's a shark." He reckoned the creature was up to f- four meters long. Now, reckon Is that a term down in uh, in Australia? Reckon. I'm not familiar with wrecking being an Australian term. No, I kind of think Kentucky. No offense to my Kentucky listeners, but uh, my boat was about two meters wide and four meters long, and it was as big as that. He told the uh, local news. My main thing was I was looking at my mate in fear that his eyes were looking back at me as I was trying to get back to the boat, and I imagine the fear in my eyes looking back at him. There are more sharks out there than people have made out than that there is. I believe all the hype until I didn't believe all the hype until now. On the way back to shore, two men flagged down a volunteer rescue team, who raised alarm of the water police. About 11 a.m., the fishery spokesman Lisa Clark said the fins had the marks consistent with a shark bite, but they could not rule attack of a seal. <laughs> Look at a seal or a sea lion? Yeah, uh, a sea lion. I could. That may be a little bit more. And seals aren't exactly cuddly either. I have never heard of a diver being attacked or bitten
0: or nipped by a seal.
2: No, I think that's, you kind of put your hand in their mouth. Oh, I know. Bomb, scuba tank, bite, seal, not shark. Yeah. Perfect. We, just, we just come up with other excuses.
0: Yeah, I'm We are
2: unable to answer. confirm a shark bite, she said. There are some marks in the fin that are consistent with shark bite, but other marks you would expect to see are missing. Well, what is that? Like his leg in the mouth? Or he's missing his leg. Uh, the fisheries west manager, Kevin Donahue, said the man was spear fishing when he was approached by a white shark, estimating him to be three and a half to four meters long. It circled him and approached him directly, so he poked it with a spear gun. Oh, this is this is a different shark. This, uh, the, uh, incident, this is one of a diver in South Korea. See, I think with spearfishing, you're kind of, I'm not saying you're asking for it, but just the nature of the activity, I think.
0: Well, if you got something tagged to your waist like a dead fish, <laughs> or a struggling fish. that might not be a good idea, you know. You
2: would become a, a human chum carrier. yeah. He uh, said the shark moved on the to the fish on his float line, so he dropped the line. Okay. okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can see that. So there we go. Yeah, kind of like we were talking about lionfish and the uh, the eels. Same thing works with sharks. You don't want to be food or seen as somebody providing food. Yeah you don't want to put that fish on your weight belt when the barracuda are, are watching you. I'm looking back. They, they show fit, uh, fins from that diver who was with the shark. They get that kind of
0: rip, though, it seemed like they're very brittle. Doesn't It looks yeah. like a
2: break? Well, that's that. Maybe that's why they were kind of suspicious. Because you've got because you got one where it's like a hole out of the middle,
0: and the whole front tip is gone.
2: Yeah. But I'm I'm taking a look at those. Those are the shoe fins. Yeah.
0: And. That's normally that more, the ones around here anyway, are brittle. They're heavy. They're that hard plastic. They're not flexible rubber. I could see that breaking if that's plastic, not rubber though. But I can't tell. But uh, I'd call that a lucky miss anyway. Yeah. You probably needed some new fins anyhow. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And maybe a new wetsuit.
0: Well, good cleaning works wonders.
2: And there must be something with cameras, people getting lucky with these cameras. This one is out of the Maldives. Diver finds underwater camera loss in Maldives and rescues memories for a couple's honeymoon trip. In March of 2013, a Finnish couple lost their Olympus Tough camera while snorkeling in the mud dives. It was practically all the reminders of their honeymoon. Three months later, a German diver found the camera on the seafloor. There was a few specks of rust on the outside, but the memory car worked perfectly. And the pictures were rescued. The same day, they post was shared more than 20,000 times. That's how the owners got to hear about it, and they now have their camera back. Well, it's like the Timex watch. Takes a licking, keeps on ticking. Yeah. Well, these memory stick companies, I think that somebody, they, they need to advertise these things as pretty much, uh, you know, water- waterproof. Yeah, because it's oh, really what? not the cameras. It's the, the memory cards.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I'd like to know what, what kind of, was that an SD stand disc or what? Yeah, it would make a difference, I think, if I were going to buy one for a good camera. I'd get one that obviously has some experience of being flooded and still working.
2: Yeah, maybe maybe that's a test we need to do. Buy some memory sticks and take a bunch of pictures and stick them underwater. And then the world records keep on coming in. This time, underwater dominoes. And at first I was I was visualizing, you know, you stack up the dominoes and knock them over. But this one was yeah. for the highest number of people playing dominoes underwater at the same time this is a del mar dive club and they sent 60 divers underwater to play the game simultaneously beating the record by 10 it took them six months to plan the event which was held in the swimming pool where the club holds their training sessions the club then had a nervous six-week wait to find out whether the hard work had paid off and they now have confirmed it from guinness
0: Wonder if they had a guinness afterwards yeah
2: i mean it's you got to do is do a guinness to win a guinness
0: Bet that was a crowd at the swimming pool with sixty divers in there, though.
2: Yeah, what kind of? That has to be pretty good.
0: I think you'd need at least an Olympic-sized pool.
2: It's almost like how many people you can fit in a Volkswagen Beetle. Telephone booth or a telephone booth. That too. Yeah, you say that to
0: a young kid, though, they have no clue what the hell you're talking
2: about. <laughs> Either the Beetle or the telephone booth.
0: Telephone booth. Yeah, yeah. What the telephone to booth? Or a
1: telephone
2: booth. Well, like my kids have no concept of a corded phone. <laughs> Come to my house. Yeah, they. I don't think they've ever... I mean, I've got some here, but we don't have a landline for years. And they just don't even remember seeing it.
0: It is interesting when they plot those things that if your kid is 17, he's never seen the following items. Yeah. Like, Hogan's Heroes, what the heck is that? <laughs> Colonel Clink, Schultz? I know nothing. I hear nothing. Yeah, they just look at you and shake their heads.
1: Must not have been on Nick at night. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, Bahamas has a first-ever underwater haunted house for Halloween. Neil Watson's Bimini Scuba Center, in collaboration with the Bimini Sands Resort, Double Dares, had a Halloween is having a Halloween season for their first-ever underwater haunted house. Divers and snorkelers who are fascinated by the occult and other freakish tales of mystery are invited. And this is probably gone on by the time we recorded this show. Jutting out of the water to height the 40 feet is a majestic ship, which was run aground in the Great Hurricane of 1926 and later used to store illegal rum during the United States Prohibition years. Aside from making an appearance in the James Bond novels and being fired upon by G- George Bush Sr. in a training exercise, the sunken ship was, in fact, an intended destination of Flight 19 just before it disappeared into Devil's Triangle. The ship is the Singapore, a concrete ship. There will be a spectral swim-through of this Sapona, which will feature Devil's Den, Lord, Layers, hidden treasures, and much more. Always interested in the much more. Yeah. Look at that ship. There's not much left of it. So I, they don't really go into detail. If, are they just going through and the, the guide's got a light and he goes, ooh, this is scary? Or did they actually and decorate it up or put props in?
0: And skeletons around that. And, I don't know. It doesn't really say, though, does it?
2: Yeah, maybe you get to muck dive for some Prohibition whiskey. I'm in for that. Hey, at least it's an effort. Did, did she have to go at night? Let's see. Did they give a time? I want to say yeah, the boat will leave from the scuba center at around dusk at 7 p.m. Uh-huh. Participants must be 16 and older. And they guarantee you that all but one will return.
0: Somebody got to be the sacrificial yeah. token. Gosh, and that's there's that's a scraggly-looking wreck there, though, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it was just mostly ribs. Kind of reminds me of the material service barge.
0: Yeah, a lot of waves going through there. That'd be a little dangerous, I would think. Still, be fun to go through though. Yeah, I would go through it. Oh, absolutely.
2: And this next one, divers carve pumpkins underwater. Which, if you search for any of that stuff on the internet, there's oh, probably 50 to 100 shops are doing it. Which is, this is not to belittle them, but just as far as a news story, there's nothing exciting. But this one is being done in a in an aquarium, South Carolina. The South Carolina Aquarium held uh, the pumpkin carving contest underwater. Teams of five volunteer divers plunged in the tank of the aquarium and carved season-themed pumpkins, uh, season-themed designs into pumpkins. Audience uh, enjoyed the show. That's in good old Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. I was just thinking, I wonder what they, you know, did they have to do a good cleaning after that? Well, I'm just wondering
0: if the fish get to eat the entrails. Yeah. I mean, that that one turtle there looked like hot dog, there's
2: food time. Yeah, he's got kind of a little yellow glow to him already. Yeah. But see, that would make it, I, I was also thinking that would make it almost like a spectator sport. Because if you did an aquarium, you could almost have it as a, as a day-long competition. And then you've got audience. Yeah, I was going to run the little video and see if they had something unique there. Yeah, it's about two minutes. I didn't watch the, the whole thing. If
0: the commercial would go away. I'd take a look real quick. I'd just yeah. fast-forward it.
2: Yeah, nor- normally when the commercials start to play, I just turn them off. I don't have any interest in watching their commercials.
0: I'm just seeing how much energy they had from here. Though it looks like most of the energy were already out. Well, that's they were kind just of cutting
2: the, the face. Yeah, that's a, the trick that many of them do. Some of the competitions allow the you to have pre-gutted, which I think is kind of cheating. I I tell you what, you take that pumpkin
0: down the way it is, try to cut it out, keep the top, get the guts out, and then do it. That's a heck of a challenge. Yeah. Well, if if you, you better know,
2: bring a rock. Yeah. Well, the the trick is to do it in, is to have a uh, bag, a weighted bag that you have the pumpkins in now and there's in the the shot and i can't tell if that's be- after it was done but they've got a rod through it
0: yeah hang on to it yeah, i don't know did, you can't really tell from the picture yeah and the video the same thing
2: and i'm sure it was pretty much staged a promotion
0: yeah and it would it would cut down on the debris if you took the guts out yeah because i'm looking at that and if they're all that way it's basically you take it down trim the top Get the cap on it and make the face, because the one guy showing his off right now does not have a rod through it, and the turtles seem to be the most
2: interested ones. I wonder if it's you know if, does how how do they does a turtle smell? I mean, are they going to smell the pumpkin? Because that's something new in their environment. Yeah, you'd think so. Still looks pretty cool when you put the light inside of it. Yeah, it's still a cool idea. Yeah, I got we got to try that one time. Bender done that. Dima and Bon Bonair, I almost said Bontera. Uh, Bonaire partnered for the uh, launch of a diving for Bonaire treasure challenge. So, Team Bonaire have applied the lessons learned from a recent diving for Texas treasure challenge to create an international version of the underwater geocaching game. The pilot program is to encourage dive travel and a perfect example of activity that can help destinations encourage return trips to their land-based resorts and travel operators. The, d- the game is designed to help support fun diving adventure while traveling to any destination where dive caches are hidden. And then they go in to explain what dive caches are. God, they say the same thing about eight different ways. So, okay, so here's the details. It says, in the Diving for Bonaire Treasure Challenge, divers will have to find five of the ten dive caches that have been strategically hidden at different dive sites around the islands in order to win a variety of prizes. Divers who find at least five and log their finds on opencaching.com are eligible to win. Grand prize winner will receive a round trip, a two round trip U.S. airline tickets to Bon Air and seven nights stay at Captain Don's Habitat. Second prize is five nights stay at Bruce Bowner's Carib Inn. Third prize is three nights stay at Hotel Rumor. So the game will run for six months, November 6, 2013 to April 30, 2014. Winners will be announced May 17, 2014. I think it's a, it's a good idea.
0: Well, if you're going to be down there diving and it doesn't cost anything to enter because there's no entry fee, it doesn't say anything about that. Yeah. And you participated, why
2: not? Well, let me see. I haven't been. I'm going to go to the Open Cache. It's, that's been part of my grief on some of these, is that they charge you to use the caching software. Ah. Oh, it's not Open Cache. It's Open Caching. Don't go to Open Cache. O P E N.
0: I went to Be a Diver, though. That was the other item.
2: C H I N G. Be a Diver comes
0: up. And then it has a different one there, Diver Catching, Underwater Treasure Hunt for Certified Divers.
2: Okay, OpenCaching.
0: Yeah, it said you got to uh, visit OpenCaching.com, create a free account.
2: Okay, yeah, because I think you can get a free account. Yeah, and this is the one done by Garmin. So I, th- I think they were using a different one earlier on, and now they're doing this one. Yeah, the one that, they, that you had to pay for, I just really wasn't impressed with. It's so like they didn't give you enough access to, to find out if you like it.
0: Yeah, because you can uh, you do the opencaching.com, and then later it said visit facebook.com/divingcaching to unload your photos for the community to take a look at. So we could always go there to see how well this is turning out.
2: See, I think that dive shops should do something where they they encourage people into this. Because imagine it was almost like a lottery. So each time you had a validated find, you got it was almost like a ticket like a lottery ticket, or or maybe do it for every five you got, like a ticket, and then have prizes.
0: Yeah, I went to the site on Facebook here, and there are some interesting items. I like the idea whenever this guy found three, uh, looks like thirty caliber ammunition military canisters, Mm -hmm. rusted up. They're tied together, so that must have been what he found. Oh, yeah, on the top it says dive caching. So that's interesting. Yeah,
2: some people will use that. Uh, Other ones, I mean, I think the problem with the canisters is eventually they're just going to corrode away. Yeah.
0: Uh. Well, as, as a side note, uh, there actually is a couple of clubs up here. And at the Stevensville Library here, they had a month where they display stuff. Mm-hmm. And one month was this kind of caching, treasure hunting on the surface and subsurface. And they had samples of the caching devices. And some were rather large and, and blatantly obvious. And some were like tree limbs. And mm-hmm. rocks that if you didn't know what to look for, you ain't ever going to think that's a rock because the yeah. rock comes apart.
2: Yeah. I've seen some of them where they've, they're like, uh, I'm trying to remember what they call them. One, it's like a, it's like a, uh, a bolt. And when you unscrew the head, it really is unscrewing a, a container and inside yeah. that container is that. So you have this wall where maybe every four feet is a bolt, but one of those bolts you unscrew and it's got the cash in it. They do warn you that, uh, that some of these, if you put them in the wrong spot, you'll encourage people to dismantle property <laughs> if you make them too tough. But the you also – Go
0: ahead. Uh, I was going to say, the item I thought was neat on most of these, because some of them are small, is they had coins or tokens. And around here, they actually collect the tokens. And that's a, a badge sort of of how well you do and how good a, a treasure hunter you really are. Is yeah. how many tokens the other item is if you take something you have to leave something so you would leave one of your type of tokens see and i and like
2: that idea that, that
0: looked very interesting
2: well and then some of these have uh, like a serial number on so you can track the token so you log the token and they go oh well you know that's how how the tokens travel
0: right because if i find it and then i do my logging then i can use the same token or one of my own uh, and yeah. then you see, how far can it go?
2: Yeah. See, and I think we should do something like that for scuba diving, where you've got dive-specific tokens that would go out. And maybe that will have to be one of those things that we do for this this year.
0: Well, don't forget the opportunity to be the head cheese yes. is up for grabs this time. You and Mr. Jim were <laughs> prime <laughs> candidates
2: for this honor. Who? who what? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I may be sick this next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> we, of course, i was, might.
0: We might go back to that old days that whoever's not there gets voted in automatically. Yeah, I've, I've
2: been in. I've been in some of those <laughs> those I've, groups as well. I served a term or two. Served? You make it sound like it was prison. <laughs> mm,
1: I. Oh, I didn't say that, I was sentenced. I, have, I didn't say I was sentenced to a term or two. I.
2: I have
0: had a position every year, at least one, if not two, for the last forty
1: years. <laughs>
2: Well, well, I think you're that's just a requirement. A of the group. Yeah, I think that's in the is in the the requirements. It's like the it's like the mafia. Once you get in, you can't get out. Well, eventually somebody will have to take over, and I'm hoping somebody will. But that's another story for
1: another. Yeah, day. yeah.
2: Future of a hundred and seven year old Saint Mary's Challenger freighter remains uncertain. Uh, this one's out of Chicago Tribune. They said the Saint Mary's Challenger arrived in port. In the city on Monday and will soon undergo inspection. The rust streaked freighter, once notorious for snarling downtown traffic, steamed in Chicago on Monday and what could be one of the final trips in its current form. That's a good
0: video there that you posted with this too to yeah. people who go there. that That's a
2: good shot. Now, when they say that snarled downtown traffic, that means that it used to go through downtown and they had to raise the bridges. Yes, sir. Now, mm-hmm. do they raise the bridges anymore? Yes, yes. they do. Because I was just in Chicago you know last week, and I was looking at that, and those bridges are not that high that if they aren't raised, you can't get much through them
1: no they they are still required to open the bridges for commercial traffic
2: and some of them had construction on I was looking at them I'm like how how are they going to open that they got to get all the gear off they said it's a fantastic vessel doesn't deserve the fate it's going to meet they're going to chop it down into a barge uh, they said the condition of the hull under the engine room could be subject to a lot of scrutiny for repairs.
1: Uh, I'll tell you what. If you can find out who the owner is, I'll send them a letter and offer yep. to let them donate it to the preserve as a uh, wreck to be
2: sunk. Okay. Well, his name is Chuck Canestrite, president of Port City ship, Steamship Holding, and uh, Port City Steamship Holdings. Yep. Port City Steamship <clears throat> Holdings is who owns his ship. He says if, th- if that's the case, it makes much more likely that we'd remove the hull and convert it into a barge. It's one of those things if we just have to put a new diesel engine in in and in another if we need a new diesel on top of the stern section. So what they're, what they're talking about, and because I've heard some people say oh they're already going to they've already decided it's going to be a barge, but I, I, this article makes it sound like they're going to do a hull inspection. If it passes the hull inspection, then it could be outfitted with a new diesel engine costing 15 to 20 million and returned to Lake Michigan as a freighter. They said it was once called the Medusa's Challenger. The ship be, uh, became a tired site in Chicago in the 60s and 70s. The 562-foot vessel was the longest ship to use the Chicago River and navigate the downtown bustling proved to be a challenge. The Tribune reported at least 20 instances of bridges malfunctioning while the vessel was nearly was nearby from 1968 through 79, often stranding drivers, and earning the Freighter, the nickname is the Jinx Ship. Well, you think about it? They probably had to have two or three bridges open just to get it through. Some of those pictures off to the side, it doesn't have a lot
0: of clearance. Well, it actually, it does on a couple of them, and a couple of them it doesn't. But you notice, yeah, I mean, that's a low gun on everything on that, baby.
2: Yeah, so the ship is older than the Titanic would have been. Oh, wow. So you've got, uh, so this is probably just a little bit older than a Milwaukee Clipper, which is still up in Muskegon. Because the Milwaukee Clipper had been rebuilt a few times, and some of its uh, uh, hull had been laid and floated before the Titanic.
0: That's a floating artifact, as I understand the way the rules are written. So they can't really destroy that, can
2: they? A floating artifact. Yeah, you got a good point. An artifact of what means? It What's does. It, well, it's 107 freaking years old. Well, the state All of Michigan says they own, they own it, don't they? <laughs> if the owner
1: just
2: drops it on that. the bottom, we can do it out. That. <laughs> <laughs> so there should have, somebody should have told us about this a little earlier. A couple seacocks open, and you'd had a great something. Yeah. See, I, the, the, I I think we should propose a third option, like you said. Uh, yeah, you've got put new engines in, turn it into a barge, or turn it into a museum on the bottom.
1: Yep, a, a dive museum, divers museum.
2: Yeah. How much that, when how much asbestos it has on it. No, it's not asbestos. You you put it in water, it's all fine. Well, that's right. It's not friable in the water, right? Yeah, that's a, That's how they they condition it. When you take it off, you you wet it down first. True. That's just a permanent wetting feature. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a great that'd be a great ship to dive on.
0: Well, I'll leave some hatches off so nobody get caught down below. I
2: don't know. Maybe maybe. I look at that ship, that does not look 107 years old to me. No. You know, when you look at a whaleback, you go, okay, that's old. And whalebacks went to the 50s. But there's something about these these uh, freighters. Well, you now, get a good design, you stay with it. Yeah, it's a good balance between buoyancy and uh, storage space.
0: I, I don't think I'd want to put that on any major storm, though, because I cannot believe that you don't have some major metal fatigue in parts of that structure, unless they've rebuilt a lot of it through the years. Or
2: maybe they uh, built them a lot heavier than they do now. <laughs> got that forward house, the way it's got they got that. God, you imagine the storms? That's got to take a heck of a beating. Yeah. That'd also make a good cottage. <laughs> well, we got some booty off of Blackbeard's shipwreck. I like the
0: way they spelled archaeologist.
2: <laughs> S-A-T-A-N?
0: No, it's R-R-R-R-R-R-R-C-H. You think you look at the picture right under CNN? I didn't have a spell check on that one.
2: Archaeologists. Yes. <laughs> the pirate R R. Five big six-pounders from Queen Anne's Revenge. The team working with the Coast Guard brought the big guns 2,000, 3,000 pounds of surface. Hey, so that means we can get the Coast Guard to help us with our recovery. I'm, I'm not even going to go there with
0: using <laughs> governmental funds to, uh, so let's not, well, I'll, I'll
2: start yeah. ranting and raving. And, the, but the Coast Guard, wasn't this one that was sponsored, wasn't, I thought this was the one that was sponsored by Captain Morgans. Billy Ray Morris. Know, maybe they're
0: sharing something like Captain Morgan.
2: Yeah, thinks that the largest cannon is likely Swedish made. They said it was uh, another 40 big guns have already been recovered. The project wrapped up for the year, but archaeologists return for one more season in 2014. The catch brings up the number of cannons, to 20 that have been salvaged. Each gun fires a six-pound cannonball. No word if any of the cannons were loaded. They said it's likely to be added to the exhibit, which has more than 280,000 artifacts. 280,000.
0: I want to see the person. don't start me on this. <laughs> I want to see the return on the investment. I want to see the cost benefit analysis. I want to see where they're going to put all these damn artifacts 200 and how many people are going to get
2: to see it. It's <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking okay, let's let's say we number, built
1: it nail number 627.
2: Well, that's that's what it is. It's like they've taken every ounce of that ship
1: nail brought it up and number 28.
2: We have a sliver here.
1: Nail number 629.
0: Yeah, if they'd have found a pack of BBs on that damn thing, that'd have been another
2: thousand items. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, that could be it if they were shot in, the, uh, in the guns.
2: Wow. it would have to be. I mean, I just, $280,000. Uh, well, I'd say dollars. You know it cost them more than a dollar an artifact just to catalog it. Wow. I won't, that one even gets me going. You know, 800 a 1,000 artifacts. Okay, good. We'll log those. There was a small amount of gold found on it, you know, among the lead shot. It's
0: probably somebody's teeth. Well, um, now uh, the archeology, the guys think a French crewman might have hidden the gold in a barrel of shot to conceal it from the pirates. The bell was engraved with the date 1705. And only 25 feet of water, that kid, you know, that would have been a really nice depth to work on. Oh, gosh, yeah.
2: Well, that's what you do. You get a bunch of interns. You charge them eight grand for a summer to go and put in free labor. So they they spend all school year begging from family and friends to get money. Hey, it sounds like a good process for Maxwreck. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But Max Maxwreck's more historically significant, though. Uh, I don't know. Take a look at the
0: I'm on the Blackbird ship, confirmed off North Carolina. That one cannon must be brass because it is very, very nice. It's encrusted with some other material, but that's a hell of a picture. Let me make a copy of this. It's from uh, National Geographic. That is a nice. Now if I can figure out where you guys are again. (laughs) Shit. Oops, sorry about that.
2: Oh, there goes our rating. (laughs) Our our three listeners are going to complain. Well, I can't find it, but...
0: I went to but, another site, and it looked pretty interesting.
2: And then we have a plaque that is going to just be set on a shipwreck. This one's out of Port Hope. remember commemorative plaque honoring the historic shipwreck was unveiled at the Skeena Building on Wednesday, October 23rd. They said, unless you're a scuba diver, you won't get a chance to see it firsthand, as they will soon be alongside a 136-foot-long three-masted centerboard schooner PB Lock 80 feet below the surface in Lake Ontario. The ship was found by Alan Bird of Port Hope, along with Ron Johns and his son, Robert, of the Nautilus Scuba Club of Port Hope in August 2000. We were looking for the wreck after some time. They told us they had spotted a blip on the fish finder. 80 feet? Yep, 80 feet of water. ship stank in the fierce storm of October 1912 while under tow by the Juno carrying a cargo of stone. All 10 of the crew survived. They said it's the first historical shipwreck of the North Cumberland County to be moored by... SOS, which is that must be the save
0: name. Ontario shipwrecks.
2: Okay, it said approximately 50 people have been involved with the project for six months, getting the moorings in place and preparation of the commemorative plaque. A rare find by divers is it was at the ship's bell, which had bit also been anchored alongside the ship in the near future. Looking at the pictures of the ship taken by divers, numerous items are easy to identify, even though they've been underwater for 100 years. Divers said the ship is in perfect. One for sport diving, but the purpose of the marker is to protect any ship from damage by anchors or being damaged by fishing equipment. The mooring system at the PB Lock marks the 66 ship marked by the SAVE Ontario shipwrecks. Wow. Chris uh, Finney, president of the SAVE Ontario shipwreck, said there's still a number of artifacts around the shipwreck. Anyone who removes anything from the historical shipwreck could face a hefty fine up to a million dollars. They said we do don't not... Don't ask,
0: work. don't tell.
2: Yeah, they said, we don't worry about that, but but the dive community self-polices. Through public outreach and education, we try to teach people, including divers. Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I want to go here, but here the guy is in the picture. You show him holding an anchor, and they're going on and on about how anchors are destroying shipwrecks.
0: Maybe that's what he had on his weight belt. Yeah. A little extra balance. I always think it's amazing. It's a historical wreck, but nobody paid a darn bit of attention to it when it was on the water and when they were getting ready to either junk them. So if they'd have got it to shore and could have salvaged it, meaning sold it for money, wouldn't have been anything, but because it sank,
2: it's now a historic remnant. Yep. Interesting how that works. Critically important. Yeah. Uh, Long sought shipwreck. So here we are back in Ontario again.
0: It's funny. I was just reading a archaeological research book today, and it was uh, from an archaeologist from Ontario. And uh, SOS is one of the organizations from the early 70s of Save Our Ships, and there's another one, a POW, and I can't remember what the acronym is, but they're really heavy into the uh, preservation and from the aspect of governmental control, belongs to the public. Mm -hmm. Everybody owns it, and therefore you have to protect it. But this is quite interesting, because they were also talking about the Hamilton and the Scrounge, which you guys are familiar with, right?
2: Uh, was that the, kind of yeah. the, the one with the submarine? Well, that's, uh, that's part of the U.S. Corps of
1: 1812.
0: Right, and they were both in 300 feet of water, just a little bit off. That's, that's the only ship I've ever seen that's got a skeleton off to the side of it. It had cross cutlasses over the, uh, the cannon on one side. They're, they're in really, really, really good shape. Uh, but they're in t- Ontario waters, so no one will touch those until they have a plan for either recovering them. And that was one of the proposed items. They said, well, if they can bring that one ship up in England, we could bring this one up. And it looks, if they brought it up, it would, it would float. It's in that good a shape. But again, you're talking big bucks.
1: Um, the, the more money to preserve it once it breaks the surface than to float it.
0: Well, oh, yeah. there's, there's quite a few. There's that, that one shoot put as the Rose. Uh, it's equivalent to $50 million is what they spent on it. And they did it in such a fashion, though, that their maintenance costs are actually excuse me, are actually covered by uh, the visitation fees.
2: That, and that's the way to do it. you got to have to have some sort of business plan.
0: Well, you have that have big backing to start with because you couldn't have got there, uh, you know, if you had your own private money. Obviously, the government has lots of money. To oh, help yeah.
2: You yeah, they got all your money. <laughs>
0: Our money. <laughs> but anyway, this is a good wreck you're, you're looking at. It. I like the pictures on it because it, it gives you a picture on the surface, which is really nice. So then you can relate to it when you see it down on the bottom. Yeah, and it doesn't look all that
2: large. Uh, this one is the, what do they say it, it was again? The Robberville. Yeah. A sunken Canadian steamer found in Lake Ontario. And it's when you talk about 120 feet. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a handy. It looks like a early version of an all-purpose boat. You know, it could be a cargo, could be a fishing boat. Said uh, Jim Kennard and his partner are wrapping up their season of searching for historic shipwrecks on Lake Ontario's eastern end when they decide to make one last sleep, sweep of the bottom with their sonar equipment. The U.S. team's last sticks effort this month paid off the discovery of shipwreck of the Robberville, a 39-meter Canadian steamer that sank nearly a century ago, killing two of the vessel's nine crew members. was one of the only two sunken steel-clad ships still undiscovered in the lake, which makes it a much sought-after find by Great Lake ship hunters. I do love that photo underneath.
0: Right. And you realize, everybody said, that's that's 300 feet again, people. It's a little past the sport depth. And for an archie, you know, for a recovery aspect, how much money are you talking?
2: Way too much.
0: Well, why would you recover that?
2: I mean, looking at the photo, it's pretty much broken down.
0: Well, uh, that's my point on a lot of the wrecks. It's like... You had all the documentation. You can find the cargo manifest. You can build. You can find the shipbuilding materials and manifest. What archaeological value is it? And it won't be. It, it'll come. It's a cultural icon or a cultural symbol. Well, it's part of your history
2: and your. Well, well, here here's the thing. If it's that important, what you do is you figure out how much it would cost to bring it up and restore it, and then you figure out how much it costs to completely recreate it from scratch. And it's probably less to recreate it from scratch. The would be to to recover it and conserve it. So recreate one, just leave the other one down there and say, there it is.
0: I'm, I'm sure somebody in the wide audience that eventually will hear this will have a real good logical reasoning of why the thousands upon thousands of ships have to be preserved for historical purposes when we don't even do anything to the stuff on the surface that we know is valuable. We let it decay and rot but it's going to be valuable when it's not available to be preserved anymore.
2: Well, let's talk about the Olympia in Philadelphia. I mean, there's a perfect example. Uh, The museum has been trying to get rid of that bucket of money or uh, not bucket of money, uh, a sink of money for a long time. They finally uh, decided that they're going to keep it because the PR was getting bad enough for them. But the maintenance on it, you know, you talk about ROI. The museum didn't see the ROI. Not enough people were going to see the, the Olympia specifically to, to pay for it. Now, Chicago actually has a good thing with the uh, submarine because that's, that's a moneymaker.
0: As long as the income is greater than the maintenance and as it gets older and older, it's going to take more maintenance.
2: Well, I think that's why Chicago put it inside the way they did.
0: You're talking about the 505 now.
2: Yeah, yeah, because it was sitting outside, and you just had a little spot to it. But the, you know, the paint. There's there's some
0: controversy about taking that apart now and preserving parts of it because the maintenance on it is so high. Even indoors, you've got rust because you only get to go down the major alleyway. You don't get to go with the bowels of the earth anymore. Yeah. And they've got a lot of issues with that. So. Well,
2: one thing I noticed is when I saw it a few years ago, they made a point of telling you, that that was the original bedding that was on it as you walk through, you know, that it hadn't been changed. That was how it was brought in. Yeah. And it's no longer that way. And that happened between when I went with my daughter and my son. So within two years, they changed that. So I want to know what the story is behind that. And where did that go? Did they decide they wanted to preserve that? I'm going to guess there was some sort of maintenance that had to be done. And they just decided that at that point in time. They're going to disturb too much.
0: Well, maybe the mattresses weren't of historical interest anymore.
2: <laughs> too
0: many mice is in it.
2: Or, or they need to catalog all the, uh, each fiber.
0: Yeah. Still interesting pictures. I would have loved to have found it. Yeah, good job
2: for them. Yeah, look, oh God, I like that other shot there too.
0: The, forward, the nose section? Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's a great shot.
2: God, I'd love to have a clear picture. It's almost like they ran it through a filter to kind of obscure it.
0: I don't
2: know. That, But that's like a drop camera, I think, is what they did.
0: Uh, I thought they said they had a ROV on it.
2: No, it seemed like an ROV. It could have done better photos. Uh, let's see where it said that at.
0: I used a ROV vehicle to get uh, video footage of the shipwreck.
2: Oh, so these are video stills. Yeah. Do it again. Do it again. I want to see better shots. Yeah, good for them. Good for them. Yeah.
0: Damn so it. That- wish it were me.
2: Yeah. Well, there's still plenty of time. We're going to find something. This is the year. Like you said, we just got to, you got to be out in the water if you're going to find something.
0: Yeah. At least you know where it's not when you don't find it.
2: That was Dave in the chat room says, any wreck is a good dive. Yeah. Now here are some photos. And I know some of you are going to accuse me of saying that just because there are models in this one that. It was why. It says models strike underwater poses for international photo contest.
0: I think the fishnet stuff really enhances everything. It looks pretty nice. Yeah. I do notice the guy's hand sticking in the window, hand under the octopus.
2: <laughs> yeah. God, that that, t- that has to take a little bit of convincing to uh, get those models down there.
0: Well, obviously, yeah. they got to be divers. You'd hope so. Oh, yeah. You would think.
2: Yeah. This is in the Red Sea. I, I love this That some. must
0: mean... It's warm there.
2: Yep. Uh, oh, okay, 33-year-old Israeli diving instructor, moonlining as a model, was posing on the uh, sunken missile ship 60 feet below the surface. So she is actually a uh, instructor.
0: 60 feet down.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now, the one, is that the same model? That's
0: where she's getting that uh, breath from a tank by herself and then she he backs off and she t- gets that picture taken i think it was about the fourth picture down
2: yeah yeah now look at the one an assistant assistant escorts a model she dives to a chute. yeah yeah now look at her hand and his hand it almost looks like she's got a death grip on him and she's i'd actually... be more
0: concerned with the octopus in my mouth <laughs> myself <laughs> yeah
2: now uh, she is she is using fins which is nice he's holding her shoes I couldn't
0: tell if that because she got one of those fin uh, outfits on her legs, the one that looks like she flippers. Could you mm-hmm. tell
2: that or not? That's what uh, it looks like, doesn't it? No, nah, I think that's a that's the dress. I think it's just a dress because if you so, look, okay. she's got she's got split fins on. Yeah, I couldn't the, really tell, but yeah. Plus, I mean, why would he be carrying her shoes if she had?
0: That's flippers? true. That's
2: true. You will see that? He now. wouldn't. He wouldn't need those.
0: And I'm hoping that this. N- go ahead. A really nice visibility, though.
2: You know what? We got to
1: talk Steve Phillipson into doing some of this, and I will uh, volunteer to assist the models underwater.
2: I thought you were going to say we were going to be the models. <laughs> <laughs> you want
0: somebody to look at this. You don't want anybody it, to go, oh my God. It's Halloween,
2: God. not April Fool. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, how about this next one uh, on Pinterest? The Salta to Javara, an incredible underwater city. Crafton that time, is that is freaking awesome. One thousand three hundred forty-one years old. Xinjiang See, or they knew, how to build city.
0: Them. they knew how to build them. back then, didn't they?
2: Yeah. The Xinjiang province in eastern China was submerged in 1959 during the construction of the Xinjiang River Hydropower Station. The water projects from the city, uh, from wind and i Wayne, Wayne, from wind and rain erosion, <laughs> uh, <laughs> remained sealed underwater in relatively good condition. So they're actually saying that being underwater helped preserve it.
0: Yeah. Captain Morgan's yeah. helping you speak tonight.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm uh, Captain Morgan's and I'm a triding, I'm uh, triding, I'm triding. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's all the Chinese. Uh, yeah. I'm have some Picardi oak heart,
0: but that is awesome though. I'm trying to gather the depth. That's what, maybe 60 feet, 70 feet.
2: I would have to be, well, it's, let's say that doorway. I'm going to say that doorway is at least 18 feet high.
0: Well, 18, I don't know. 20, uh, yeah, because it's, it's still deep. a very nice shot, and the visibility
2: is awesome. Oh, yeah. That's why I was saying I was hoping it was a real shot, because it almost looks like a painting.
0: Yeah, that would be a cool
2: dive. God, I'd do it. I'd like to try it. When we get here over there? How about there's, well, uh, in China, under uh, scuba diving is a big deal. You know, that they haven't, they haven't, uh. That's still considered to be a cool activity. Now, how about this tunnel? This is what I imagine a tunnel in Lake Michigan would look like. I'm getting there.
0: Taking a while to load on mine.
2: Now, this one is a tunnel in the Czech Republic, located in the Lake of Midoria, was built to allow visitors to view underwater world of sturgeon carp, catfish, perch, tench, eel, and trout. The underwater tunnel has been dubbed Living Water, located 70 kilometers southeast of, of Brno, and South Morvain region, according to the Financial Times. A cross border joint project by Czech Republic and Slovakia, the tunnel is the largest freshwater tunnel in Europe. Measuring nine feet deep, thirty-six feet long. The tunnel is designed to promote conservation of a natural heritage and landscape of the border region. Transparent acrylic wall lets visitors view underwater fish and natural environments. Unlike in an aquarium, according to the official website, the visitor the tunnel's floor also allows visitors to observe animals of the wetlands, including mud turtles, frogs, and newts. That's pretty cool.
1: I think we'd have better vis like Michigan.
0: I, I don't so. know. It looks like pictures with my GoPro with all that green in the back. It probably just depends on the day. Yeah, I pretty how... soon we could have one like that, and you could look at look at the Asian carp.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did see the pictures of
0: that, didn't you? The Asian carp—they got out of the river that feeds Lake uh, Lake Erie.
1: No, Asian carp in Lake Erie. Yeah,
0: there was. Well, they already have been. That's the other aspect. There's two type. There's four types of Asian carp. Uh, the one they caught the other day was there's four of them. They were sixty something pounds each, and they validated they were not accidentally left there. They had actually been born there. They checked that by actually taking one apart, looking at the little makeup of the fish, and it was born
2: there.
1: Makeup on the fish must be from yes. Detroit.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm sorry, what that and that Make, and like makeup on a fish? That must be from Detroit. Some stilettos and. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but it was interesting. Their point, of course, is uh, if it's there in the river that meets Lake Huron, or yeah, Lake Huron, Lake Erie and Huron, it's like duh, they're already in the lake. It's just a matter of time before you have a lot more of them. So I think it's academic when they talk about how we're going to stop it. You're not. It's already there. But anyway, that's a side thing. When I saw the big fish, I thought about that one.
2: Yeah. Okay. Now for some scuba gear or I guess scuba accessories. We had some press this week saying that Britney Spears music could drive away pirates. And from one of our favorite websites, G Captain, uh, they debunk a little bit of this. They said it wasn't so much the Britney Spears music where they were trying to say our corrupt and decadent western lyrics were what was driving them away they said that there's actually an anti-pirate device that uses audio sound and uh it causes pain they said it's enough to bring the toughest pirate to its knees
0: Uh, Uh, that's what the military use now for riot control
2: yeah and they said that pretty much any sound can be used and uh, what they're saying is that they probably use something that's recognizable so the pirates can hear it before they even get there and then turn away so that's really what it was. It wasn't the Britney Spears music. I thought it was more like the lyrics. I just didn't like the lyrics. <laughs> and then uh, this next one, Mac, I thought you would like. This is the one we talked about last
0: week. And is I this the exact same one? You. This is it. So thank you for covering my
2: butt on it. This one. <laughs> okay, so the one we promised.
1: I'm loving this one.
2: Well, it's funny, is yeah, I had to the get the audio <laughs> on
1: this one too. That's really great.
2: I had to get There's it from Australia. The video is awesome. I didn't watch a video. What? Is it a good video? Yes. I've, I've got to go through all the news things I don't yeah. have time to actually look at anything. Uh,
1: this one's worth watching. Just listening to the, the audio on yes. thing is great. With the absolutely,
2: headphones.
0: absolutely.
1: Uh, sounds going back and forth. It's great. Down bass. there,
0: yeah, getting down there by
2: the kelp beds and stuff. It's like it's freaking awesome video. Wow, this website is taking forever. All those electrons going from here to Australia and back. It's all these
0: people suddenly jumped on this because I'm trying again. I can't get it now.
2: Okay. Now it's coming up. I don't know why they superimpose it on an HTC. <laughs> that is just plain crazy. Well, like I
0: said, I saw it on Facebook and I was like, I, I watched it and said, I, I don't know how the guy built it, but he did a damn good job. It was awesome. I don't think you could be claustrophobic in it though. It's a little snug on the shoulders.
2: Yeah, it does look a little tiny. And it's trying to load for the fourth time for me. Everybody stop looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> you're slowing it down. Did you send this to everybody else? Yeah, I placed it in the chat room. Okay. Once again, Sorry, thank man. everybody for, for showing up. It's kind of hard to tell what kind of turnout we were going to have tonight. So thanks, to everybody who came in and listened. Okay, yeah, the the video is uh, yeah four minutes and 40 seconds. Ooh, you're right. The sound on that is amazing. Now, they brought this kayak up to uh, Muskegon.
0: No, I, I don't think this is anything from Muskegon. This appeared to be out of out of California.
2: Oh, it looks like
0: kelp beds.
2: So you didn't see this up in Muskegon? You just saw was a video up there.
0: No, this no, the I saw it the video. on Facebook. Oh, you know, I, I thought was this was a, I, I thought, thought this was out. at
2: the show that you went to.
0: Well, those are two different ones. Uh, he had pictures of those parts. One was the yellow uh, submarine, the other was blue.
2: Now there is some engineering in this. Built by Oliver Follett. And this one looks like it is out of uh, Zealand. I think ZA, that's where that is, isn't it? Not sure. That's not exactly a short submarine either.
1: That's built off a kayak frame.
2: Okay, at this point, watching the video, he's just paddling.
1: Lightweight? That's fantastic. Subo.
2: I'm going to add that to my favorites. The Navy needs to be looking at this. you want to talk about a stealth operation. (laughs) Now, what's that tail he's got in the back there?
0: That looks like, yes, that looks nothing more like a big wand that goes back and forth. So it's lazily powered. Didn't have a screw.
1: Nope, just just like a fin. Probably
2: pumps it with his feet. Now, imagine if he had a rebreather in with him.
0: Oh, so he didn't have to have the bubbles? I thought part of that might have been for buoyancy control. But he'll have to exhaust, and he has to exhaust, you're going to have bubbles.
2: Yeah, because if you're, if you're open circuit, you got to get those bubbles out somehow.
0: Even though that is a dry sub. You also couldn't tell whether or not you were using maybe air control for that pump.
2: Oh, for the back? To
0: make that yeah instead of something electric. Well,
2: actually, if you think about it, that would be the way to power it is you, you run the air through that, and then your extra air is just breathing air that you you put in because you, know, you run the motor, and then the exhaust becomes air in the cabin.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I told you you'd love that one. That, I do. I think awesome.
2: it's I think it's amazing. So it's worth a, it's worth looking. Oh absolutely. I'll have to I'll have to post a, a link to that one in the uh, on the if, dive if video sites.
0: Know, right. And if you go in there and you just type in anywhere on your Google, uh, Kayak Submarine, you will come to that one. It's got you'll get half a dozen hits right off the bat.
2: And he's only got two hundred forty thousand views. That was only put in September. Cool got, gear. Yeah, we, we may have, that might be somebody we need to have on the show.
1: Yeah. Or if you
0: have any yeah. queries about it, there's an email for him.
2: Yeah, he says uh, I have a, hi. I have a lot of people viewing the video. Thanks to Reddit.com, and yeah. there is a great community there who would love to ask you some questions. Oh, okay. So that that's somebody who's saying that they have questions. Well, he's, he's got his video, his uh, link on there. Just go and talk to him.
0: It's still amazing. I just love it. The way he's got out there, you put it in there, and just looking at him launch it, that's it's a regular kayak length, it looks like. Yeah. And it's stable. See how it gets in there? Even as narrow beam as it's got.
2: That, now, see, that one doesn't scare me. There's some of them. I just look at those and go, you you, you get in that, and you already have uh, your coffin ready. You just pull it up. Yeah, they raise it up and stick it in the ground. But that, that, one, looks, that one looks stable. It looks open. Yeah, he's going through the kelp beds there. Awesome video. Yes, it is. Well, that does it for the news, the photos, the gear of the week. Well we? If
0: they didn't, if they didn't do anything else but go look at that video, it was worth it. Getting the clue from us to go look at it.
2: Yeah. Yep. So I'll I'll make a special point tomorrow and put that on the uh, divevideos.skuubobsessed.com website, which I've been very bad on that one as well. I just haven't found it. It's like right before I set the site up. It seemed like every week I was finding three or four videos and I'm like I got to put these in a place so I can find them again. And then once I set the set up, the site up, you yeah, know, nothing came. Okay. Well, let's go and talk about uh, any dives we've had since last week. Now, incidentally, it seemed like we all ended up agreeing that we we're going to go diving this last Saturday, which I think It'll is be. unusual in itself.
0: Sunday, I'm diving at high noon at Merrimont. Anybody is welcome. So that's,
2: that's this Sunday, which it is, is the this November, Sunday. let me pull up the camera. 3rd, I believe. Yep, November 3rd, Sunday, 2013. High yes. Yeah. So if you're anywhere even close, give us a call. We'll, we'll explain to you how you get there. And uh, that's the same spot where we were all going to go this week, but it ended up. Uh, um, three of us. Well, the three of us there, uh, you and I went in the water. And Mary Beth, uh, her, she had heard her knee skydiving. Those crazy skydivers.
0: Hey, watch out! She didn't break it though. Look at the bright spot.
2: Yeah, it wasn't broken, but she couldn't get her wetsuit on. She she went to try her wetsuit on at home, which I I think that was pretty forward thinking because I'd never have th- thought to try it on at home. I'd have been there trying to put it on.
0: I, she her, her leg is bruised from a little below the knee all the way up to the thigh. It's it's like the knee would not have been my
2: issue. My whole leg would have been hurting. Wow, and I and I think that's really what it was.
0: Yeah, and she came to the dive club meeting too. It's like man. She did wind go, up going to the warranty uh, room to make sure she hadn't done any bad, bad damage because that freaking leg her, of hers was purple.
1: Yeah. It did, did not it. look good.
2: And and that's how I would be. I'd, I'd, I'd ignore it to the point where it's too bad. But, uh, yeah, so you and I went in, and I I was worried just to start off with. I had had myself all psyched up that it had been, you know, three or four weeks since I had been in the water, and I was convinced it was going to be cold. So I geared up like it was going to be an ice dive. Two hoods, warm priming water, the best warm gear I got, which my boots are completely disintegrated. And I was pleasantly surprised that the only spot where I was cold was in my heels. And that's kind of a combination of that's where the, the strap and your fins, the spring straps, kind of compress the boots. Plus, that's where my boots are just disintegrated anyway. I mean, you can you hold them up to the light and you can see through them at that spot.
0: Well, I, I think part of the reason, though, you were so warm is you were doing a little bit of Olympic swimming <laughs> downstream to recover something that you might have wanted.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I did the rookie, something to the do rookie mistake. And I remember <clears throat> what I did is I threw my dive flag in the water and I hooked the line over a log. And that was completely fine. So then Mac and I have our tanks and BCs all staged on the dock. And as I'm doing that, I don't want to walk, you know, after I got my tank on, I didn't want to have to walk all the way across the slimy boat ramp to where I had my dive flag line secured off. So I went and carried it over to the dock and I threw the line on the dock. Well, there was enough wind that the dive flag pulled. And I say wind, I really don't think it was just a wind. I think it was a current. What I had done differently is if you see my dive flag, which I've got, it's probably one of my first posts ever, was how I custom built that rig. For the dye flag, and it's it's uh like three pieces of star foam sandwiched together on a an old wire spool with a fiberglass rod and a dye flag on it and a weight down below, and it really has a light profile in the water. It doesn't have a lot of drag on it. Well, because we we're going to do some recovery, I had an inner tube with a crate that I've been that I'd gotten a year before. Somebody had just given me that they didn't want anymore. It might have been Ken or Jim Kleeman or something. So I got a hand me down. And you've got to put air into that inner tube every time because it deflates. So I, I filled the air up at home and then I was working on a way of attaching everything together. Well, the profile in the water was huge. And I think the current just grabbed that and then took it downstream. So as we're gearing up, and, and we hadn't even just started, and I look and I'm like, I pointed out that my dive flag was heading downstream rather rapidly. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm trying, I'm telling myself, keep calm, don't rush. You know, do all your gear checks, make your, you know, everything's fine. You can always get it. And if you don't, oh, well, it's just a die flag and a float. But anything I make, I tend to not want to give up so easy. So I get in the water and it's got a head start on me, maybe a hundred yards. Swimming. I would say at
0: least a hundred yards. Yeah.
2: And then swimming downstream, that's kind of like, say you're in a car and you're going 50 and somebody else is going 25, but they got a two mile head start. That's how it felt. <laughs> <sighs> And then as I'm about halfway to it, I'm like halfway between the float and then you're coming down the river with your float. And that's when the boats start. And all I can think is that they're going to read in the paper, well, he was farther than 100 feet away from his dive flag. So I made sure I was up in the water column so he could see me. And I I, I think officially for the record, I was at 99 feet when he came by. Uh, But then I got to it. And I don't mind telling you I was huffing and puffing when I got down to it. And I think what was even more surprising is once I got to the float, I went down to the bottom and I still was going downstream. There was enough current and in gearing up and heading down, I had, I had left my river tool in the, the, uh, Explorer. and I was also perfectly weighted. And when I say perfectly weighted is way too light for river diving. I was perfectly trimmed. I could get down, but I had absolutely zero weight on the bottom. So it, it was a chore just to come across the current to the uh, other side of the river because I had gone to the wide side. And then by that time, you had caught up to me and we did some reconfiguration of gear and you had, uh, we just essentially followed one flag together. Key item is when you have your... Your
0: crate in your inner tube, lash the bottom of the crate to the bottom of the inner tube so you don't have it in the water because then you have extra, extra surface area for drag.
2: Yeah, I agree. So what we That's... did is
0: flipped it upside down so the inner tube was the only thing on the water. The crate was out. We put that on top of my rig.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to redo that tube to, to do that exact thing because is, is I want the crate completely out of the water even if it is loaded because in that way yeah. you don't you don't have that much because that the buoyancy of that inner tube, you'd only have an inch in the water. But when you have four inches of crate sticking down below the inner tube, plus I and had what's mine. Worse.
0: Yeah. And if you put your goodie bag at the bottom of that because you don't want to carry it, you have a hell of an anchor. It's like yeah, a sea anchor. Well,
2: I, It's exactly like a sea anchor.
0: So you were having a little trouble getting back with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. That was, a, that was a learning experience. So, But that's why you only change one piece of gear each dive is because, you know, if you had that on top of three or four other changes, that would have been a challenge more than it was. And then being the hoarder I am and finding all these bottles in a spa of the river, I'd never been before. Um, and I found quite a few. I think I found uh, two or three cream bottles, uh, three milk bottles. Unfortunately, only I think two of them survived my uh, rough handling on the way upstream. I think I overloaded my bag a little bit. Too many goodies. But uh, it was a great dive. And I, I didn't get cold at all. I mean, I was actually hot coming out. Now, how was the dive for you?
0: Uh, body was fine. My hands were cold on one side, but I have cold hands to begin with. And I got my numb feet again. And I think my uh, pocket when I had my, my socks on inside the booty and my zipper comes down a bit because I can't put them over my top. I had a lot of flushing of water. So my feet were cold, but we got an hour. I got an hour and 10. So you got an hour and 20 minutes. Considering, and that still was chilly freaking water. You put your face in, it was like, oh, wow, that's chilly. Then you numb up pretty quick, and it's not bad. But the warm water was nice to start
2: with. Yeah, the priming. Oh, and I, uh, my prime water was a little hot when I got started. I had to go to the river and cut it back a little bit. And, Smoking. Uh, yeah, and for those of you who don't know, uh, priming water is what us wetsuit divers do to, because to, uh, if you don't prime, any place you don't prime with warm water is going to be filled with cold water. Have a nice thin wool shirt
0: on, too, because that yeah. helps keep that oh, I, flushing to yeah, a minimum.
2: I, I had uh, really nice wool socks, and I had uh, polyester long johns underneath. And I don't know. I, did, I, I guess I should look at my computer to see what the temperature was. But that was perfect for me. I could have, in my mind, I probably had another hour. Uh, well, I it was in the low 40s. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, marked some of it up to uh, kicking, but I had plenty of air, too. I came up with 1,500 pounds.
0: That's what surprised me. We were down there an hour and 10 minutes after that chase and then coming back, and we still had half a tank.
2: Yeah. I I think probably the deepest we got was maybe I had 15 feet in the middle of the river. Yep. Uh, And and visibility was good. We didn't have the sun. Had the sun been out, that would have been awesome. Uh, Viz was... uh, i got to say a good six feet.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd say that easy, easy six. Yeah,
2: easy six. But you notice how many leaves we had out there now? The leaves are coming thin, down. And
0: that thin covering of buck that's maybe a quarter inch diffuses the pattern, so it's harder to see the bottle. Yes, yeah.
2: and that's where a grubber like me, I think that's where I do well, is where it was this time, because I touch everything. And even with three-finger gloves on, I can tell the difference between a rock and a bottle. And a clam. I found a clam that had to have been... Eight inches across. That was the biggest clam I think I've seen in the river. And that has to, we have to be uh, approaching the size of the clams that they used to have in the old days. Because you look at some of them, they used to make buttons out of them. And I don't think that the clam shells that we've seen recently would be thick enough to make a button out of. But these larger clams, I, I think that has to be a sign of the health of the the river to have these large clams.
0: But we don't have the quantity, and that's what really bothers me. Uh, did sign some turtles again. And uh, I saw the same clam, and I got a good video of that that I'm going to blow up because the mantle he was out when I caught him. Yeah. But of the thousands of big shells out there, there's really not that many of them alive, and that really distresses me. That's
2: like see for me. I didn't
0: see the lampreys this time either.
2: For me, not seeing them the way they used to be, yeah. this is as good as I've ever seen. Yeah. So coming from the other end of you know five years of river diving, uh, this is about as this is good. So the, the you've seen them more thicker? Oh yes, oh yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. used to even up in Sheboygan and up
0: there in Duncan Bay. I uh, used to have a lot, and then when the zebras came in, it killed them
2: because uh, they well, catch makes sense.
0: themselves in front, and they died off the same as the crayfish. Uh, now they're just starting to come back since the quaggas have got to an equilibrium level, so they're not overpopulated. They're down to just massive population.
2: Yeah. And there was a fish I didn't. St- now, you said you saw a lot of fish. I only saw a few.
0: No, they are all over the place. Uh, they had the sunfish, small perch up towards the shallows and three or four foot. And then the bigger ones where we were, the white mouth, probably in five or six where we're grubbing. And then off to the middle, you'd see the the bigger ones. Uh, what, I got that picture of a good Chinook, ugly looking sucker. He must have been about three foot big, or three foot long. He was feeling very poorly. That's why I got a shot of him with the camera.
2: That was the one that you said you weren't quite sure if he was alive. Right. Mm-hmm. Just kind of lethargic. Guy, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what the, you know, some of these fish, they might have a breeding season that might also lead to this type of activity. You know, like a salmon, you know, when they come upstream, do they die? And
1: Yeah, they do. They do. And this is the time of year when a lot of them are headed upstream to do that, to uh, to die.
0: Yeah, they got that fish ladder up there by the French paper dam. Yeah. And I've got one there in Berrien also.
2: Yeah. You know, Berrien's got an observation window. I wonder if they got a webcam on that. I think I've asked that before. Uh, but uh, we were way down the river. That was the farthest down the river, at least on that section that I've been. Uh, I Because I, I saw, when I came across, I saw the outtake, outflow, and I thought that was the uh, waste treatment plant. And that was an outflow down past that. Yeah, we
0: were getting down towards the where the Dwajak River is going to be cutting into it.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask if you guys made it to the Dwajak River or not. No, not
2: no, we quite. weren't.
1: We weren't a long way from there though. Yeah,
2: I wouldn't mind getting uh, Jim's boat or somebody else's boat in there because it'd be nice to have like a little platform to go take a day and do a little bit of drift diving, you know, a few tanks and just see what we can see.
1: Zodiacs available. Yeah. Well, you had
0: fishers on the lake and you also had hunters on the lake.
2: Yes, we did. Ask. We did have, we did have hunters. They they had their camo on, so I I think they were doing duck. Weren't yep, they? they were doing duck. Yep,
0: and everybody was polite to find out where we were going to be and where what, what side of the flag were we going to be on.
2: Yep, and I thought that was nice. That's a, I think yes. think the first time I've I've heard that. And you know me, I'm being super polite. I'm like, oh, don't worry, run me over. But uh, it's it's nice to have people ask and to be alert. Yeah, because
0: I like we always tell them we're going to be shore side of the flag wherever that flag is. We're the shore side, and we're not going to be in the middle of the river.
2: Unless we're covering a flag that drifted downstream, then we got to come across.
0: Yeah, but then they're <laughs> swimming on the surface. and they're like, Look at that, a whale! I mean, uh, a, walrus. <laughs> a whale. <laughs> no walrus.
2: Walrus. Remember? Yeah, you said I looked like walrus. the. Yeah, you said I was going to have the walrus nickname
0: now. Yes, you're going to have the walrus. You're going to take my old name. Now we're going to go back to tutu or to.
2: Yeah, I, have to, I think I'll have to let my whiskers grow a little longer. Now, was that because of the two hoods? Why you said walrus? No, it's the thermal
0: insulation that you were not a bit cold with that ragged suit you've got. It just makes me feel very shameful that I'm chilly and I got a good suit and you're in that decrepitude item. <laughs> That I can see through. It looks like fishnet stockings you're wearing on your body. Well see, that's why I thought you were, we
2: would we'd be the models. Isn't that risque? Isn't that what is what they're going for now? <laughs>
0: there's a happy
2: medium between <laughs> scene. Or, and or, is, <laughs> or is that the difference between risque and plumber? <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you're gonna be there Saturday or yeah,
2: Sunday by the way? Sunday. Oh, no, yeah. yes. no. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Um I I may. I need to I mean, I've, thanks for the the lending of the tank, but yeah, I need to get my uh, tanks filled. I need to do that tomorrow, and I need to get my gear dried out. It's been raining. It's uh, Hopefully, I can get it to dry out. Or, I don't know, can hey, I throw you it in the dryer. Got
0: it. All you got to do is put one of those little PVC dryers like Jim's made, like I made mine a couple of years ago. They they Overnight, that, that suit is done, ready, your boots, gloves, totally done.
2: You know, I, I I think I'm kind of getting to the suit where I'm to the point where if I break it, I get a new one. So, you, like, I'm trying to find ways of destroying it.
0: They are they're past that point, so don't feel <laughs> bad about getting new gloves, boots. But You can keep the hoods you got. there. They're not bad. No, the hoods are but, fine. Those yeah, are the awesome. Boots, the boots need replacement, and so does that suit.
2: My gloves are still within patching range. The uh, five fingers are... No good, but the three-finger, I just got to put a little bit of goop where the fingers come together. That's starting to pump a little water in, but I didn't even feel that this week.
0: Well, I'm going to my mitts this weekend, that's that's for sure. Yeah.
2: And then after the dive, we did what we always do, which is go and get something to eat.
0: Yes, and then chase us out because we've been there two hours after we finished eating.
2: <laughs> they weren't short of table, so I didn't feel bad no. about that. But you know when they stop filling your coffee again that you've been there too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So we need to come in, have like a like you know, get those glasses with the fake nose on and come back in again. So if you want to see what we found, you can go to mudclub.scuub and uh view the treasures. We've got a link in the treasures to see the bottles we found. So a couple keepers. Uh, nothing super exceptional, but some, some good stuff. It's always uh, that one milk was really nice. Which I, one I don't the one I
0: kept, the one that has the embossing I didn't have before. Oh yeah. That's did? an older bottle. Uh huh. Yeah, that was I've, nice. So I, that was a really nice keeper.
2: Yeah. I've got, uh, I mean, I, I had a couple milk bottles that were, I mean, they were okay. I mean, they're good. Uh, you know, I spent some time cleaning them out, and they, they look nice. And then, uh, let's see, what was the other bottle? The whiskey with the cork was awesome. Oh, yeah, I've got that one, a whiskey yeah. with the cork. Uh, and, in fact, I posted that one, if you follow me on, on Facebook, I posted that one there. Uh, there's a little chip in the lip, so it's hard to see in the photo I posted because I know how to angle it so you don't see it, but little chip i'm gonna tell myself it was there beforehand that i didn't create it but um but the, yeah the the cork in there and and i was asking a question i i asked on facebook of you know why do we keep finding these bottles of the corks and somebody pointed out i think it was a uh, richard uh pointed out that if you don't have a corkscrew, that's the way you would get the cork out you just push it in the bottle so if you're a poor old why you push the cork down in the bottle and you drink out of it does that make sense
0: if it was a full bottle, but you were really on a drunk or a bender if you did that.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, we keep finding them. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's rarer than, you're more likely to find one without a cork than one with a cork in the bottle. But you've seen yeah. enough that it had to have been a habit. And I've seen it even in the little bottles, which doesn't make sense because those are the medicine bottles. Why would you push them, the cork in the medicine bottle? Plus, as you're pour, when you push the cork in and you're pouring stuff out, you know that cork would just kind of float back up in the neck and get in the way get in your way yeah yeah so it can't be the optimum preferred way of doing it and then somebody said well maybe they threw it in the water with the cork and it was just a compression put it in but i don't think you know na- natural buoyancy would do that it wouldn't you know if it, if you had, if it had You'd no have buoyancy, to hold it in
0: your hand and take it down otherwise on the surface it's going to be equal
2: yeah it's just going to float so uh, yeah i'm not really sure i go with that one either unless you had some sort of larger container it was in that forced it down but I don't see that happening as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, that was a nice one. Uh, let's see, was there anything else? I, 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 there are a couple I, I kept because of the color, but not super exciting. Uh, but the creamer ones, there was a two creamers, which are, the creamer is just a, like a smaller version of the milk bottle. One of those was nice. Yeah.
0: Just don't mention the gold coins or any of that, because then people will definitely come out. Oh, we yeah. don't want to talk that about that. So yeah, don't mention any of those things.
2: Yeah, I won't mention the gold coins or the dates that was on them. Yeah. So, yeah, this Sunday, if you, if you want to catch up with us, that's that's when you're going to have to come and do it.
0: And it's a good uh, trial to get your winter gear ready for the turkey dive at yeah, the end and, of the month. Get
2: uh, your weight I, and balance that. I think I'm going to do an updated article, and we might even do a, a podcast or something just on uh, cold weather diving again. But uh, one of the tricks is if you want to dive in the cold weather, start diving now because the water really isn't that cold. The water we got now is like what you would get in May. So if you think October roughly equals May, it doesn't sound so, so scary, Uh, you know, because April is definitely colder than this. (laughs) I think that's
0: called rationalization. Rationalization.
2: And that hole in the wetsuit doesn't, you know, the water doesn't come in the hole.
0: I consider it acclimation.
2: Yeah. So just keep diving. So if you start diving now, you're going to be able to find out what doesn't work and you can get it in so you can be ready to do that ice dive in the wetsuit. You can do it. You can be crazy like me. And everybody in the chat room is yelling dry suit. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm still gonna get a dry suit. Don't need no stinking dry suit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Scuba Obsessed. We've doing good. And and actually one thing I like to do, a challenge I like to have to all listeners is tell other people about the podcast. You must know other people who dive. Go tell them to listen to the podcast and have them like us on Facebook. On on Twitter I've got about five thousand followers. For the podcast, which is really good. But for some reason on Facebook, we we don't have that many. And I'm not a big one on follower numbers. But if somebody's not following, they can't hear what we have to say. And we, we do post some stuff, have some discussions. Also, if there's other areas you like to interact with us, like Pinterest, uh, I really need to do more on Pinterest. I, I, I like the idea of Pinterest. Uh, you know, part of it is just the work it goes to posting to all these social media sites. So you post to Twitter, you post to Facebook, you post to Pinterest, you post to Google+. You know, which are the ones? How do you like to listen? How do you like to follow? And then uh, i got to get back on the website, get that going again. So anybody have anything to plug before we
0: get going? Well, just the club site. That's the only one I'm going to be posting junk on anymore. I pretty much... Divested myself of most of Facebook, so anything will now be on, dive-related, of course, will be on the Mud Club site.
2: Awesome. So mudclub.scubaobsessed.com, and you can see all the goings-on of the Michigan Underwater Diving Group.
0: Or better known as the Geriatric Divers. Well, some of us, anyway. Well, we're not all geriatric. True. I did find a wheelchair down there by the bridge, by the way. So there had been other divers there before us. geriatric divers so you got that joke ready
2: i think i do let me go pull it up we do have a joke thought i had one more relevant but you know we'll we'll make this one do and it is bad i hope i haven't done it before they're all starting to run together so you need more contributions to the effort yeah always have more contributions always use them so here we go this is a story about a couple who's been happily married for years They enjoyed scuba diving together. The only friction in their marriage was the husband had a habit of farting loudly every morning when he awoke. The noise would wake his wife and the smell would make her eyes water and gasp for air. Every morning she'd plead with him to stop ripping them off because it was making her sick. He told her he couldn't stop it and that it was perfectly natural. She told him to see a doctor. She was concerned that one day he'd blow his guts out. The years went by and he continued to rip them. Then one Christmas Day morning... As she prepared the turkey for dinner and went upstairs, sound asleep, she looked at the innards, neck, and gizzard, liver, and all the spare parts, and miraculously thought came to her. She took the bowl, went upstairs, and emptied the bowl of turkey guts into his shorts. Sometime later, he heard the husband wake with his usual trumpeting, which was followed by a blood-curdling scream and the sound of frantic footsteps as he ran across to the bathroom. His wife could hardly control herself as she rolled on the floor, laughing, tears in her eyes. After years of torture, she reckoned she had got him back pretty good. About 20 minutes later, the husband came downstairs, his blood-stained underpants, with a look of horror in his face. She bit her lip as she asked him what the matter was. He said, Honey, you were right. All these years, you warned me and I didn't listen to you. What do you mean, his wife asked. Well, you always told me that one day, I would end up farting my guts out. And the day it finally happened, by the grace of God, some Vaseline and two fingers, I think I got most of them back in.
1: Uh, good thing it was turkey guts, yes, not chicken guts. And... You know
2: why? <laughs> why is that? Why?
1: Colonel Sanders says, his finger looking good?" Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a good.
2: That's a bad part of the
1: show.
2: <laughs> oh, that's even worse. Oh. oh wow. well. And on that note, night, Grace. <laughs> Go out there and get wet. And stay safe. I keep waiting for a turkey joke from
0: the other guy there. Come on, Jim.
2: And check your floors in the morning. <laughs>
1: Drawers in the morning. Oh. Call recording has been completed.